PMP exam content outline. Today, we're going to take a look at the PMP exam content outline, and we're going to take a look at the order of the process domain. Now, why would we take a look at the process domain? Because there are a lot of tasks in there which most project managers should know before the exam. However, the tasks are not in an order that enables you follow the narration of the story. And that's why I have rearranged these tasks so that as you study and you go through the tasks, they'll make more sense for you. So let's take a look at the document at the center of this discussion. It is called the PMP exam content outline. And if you take a look at the PMP exam content outline, you can see from the breakdown here, we have people, process, and business. In one of our previous episodes, we talked about people. But at a very high level, this document in its table of contents, first of all, goes into the introduction, why this document at all. And then it goes into the content outline, people, process, and business. People, 42% of the exam, process, 50% of the exam, and the business environment, 8%. Now, what you need to remember as you go through this document is as follows. You on your exam could get questions that are roughly half of the examination in predictive and the other half, agile or hybrid. So a lot of students say it seems as if the, the agile piece is more. That might be because you were not expecting it. It could also be because it was a shock. And it might also be because PMI did not properly quote a number of reality. Because I've heard from so many people that the exam seems like, I'm not joking, 80% agile. Someone once said that. I found it hard to believe. But this has been a recurring theme from many students, not all, because some students come back and say, Phil, this exam, it was not as heavy as we thought. It was 50-50. 50-50 is fair. Or a student said, for every question, there seemed to be a, could be agile, could be predictive, which sounds like a hybrid situation going on. So I take what I hear with a pinch of salt, but from majority of the students, they say it is very, very heavily agile. So with that in mind, you know the breakdown and you know that the questions could be evenly split. Now, moving ahead, we've talked about the people piece, but today we're talking about the process piece. And the process piece, as you can see here, has 17 tasks. That's huge. 17 tasks. So let's go ahead and take a look at these 17 tasks. The first task that you're seeing on the screen right here, this is execute the project with urgency, with the urgency required to deliver business value. But we all know that we don't just start executing a project. So th this task, task one, needs to be somewhere else. You get the rationale? You don't just execute the project. Some things come before. And we're going to take a look at some of those things that come before. We also have manage communications, assess and manage risks, engage stakeholders, plan and manage budget and resources, plan and manage schedule, plan and manage quality of products or deliverables, plan and manage scope, integrate project planning activities, manage project changes, plan and manage procurement, 
manage project artifacts, determine appropriate project methodology, methods and practices, establish project governance structure, manage project issues, ensure knowledge transfer for project continuity, and last but not least, plan and manage project or phase closure or transitions. And that is all well and good. Some of those are in a good sequence for the most part, but others just fall into a place of, I would say, confusion for some PMs who wonder, okay, how am I looking at this thing? What should I look at first? What should I look at next? And that is why today we are going to focus on the process piece. And I want you to think about the order in which I have these so that when you're studying, whether the people piece or the business piece, you always say, hmm, which one really comes first? Or you would ask yourself this question and say, when I open this book, known as the PMBOK Guide, or when I open this book called the Agile Practice Guide, where does all this stuff fall into place? So we're going to tackle that really quick today. Let's go on down to our whiteboard and let's take a look at how this is broken out. So we're going to start off with a different task. That's right, a totally different task. This is task 13. And you might ask the question, but but why? Why should we start with 13? Well, let's examine what we do here. It says, determine appropriate project methodology, methods, and practices. And that is one of the things you need to be thinking about, right? And then it says, assess project needs, complexity, and magnitude. Recommend project execution strategy, contracting or finance, and recommend a project methodology approach. So before you move into talking about how to deliver value, you should know, hmm, what is going to be our approach? What methodology? Is it going to be predictive? Because the way you deliver value in a predictive project is different from the way you do it in an agile project, hybrid project. You get what I mean. And then using iterative incremental practices throughout the project lifecycle. Yes, that is if we are able to. Sometimes it might just be straight ahead predictive and other times we can. So that is task 13. And next we go into task 14, establish governance structure. It is important before we go too far that people know what exactly are we marching to, which beat. And this says determine appropriate governance for a project. That is replicate organizational governance. And of course, none other than your EEFs and OPAs, which by now have tapered into the project management plan. So we know that this project management plan right here has some of the information that is being mentioned, either explicitly or implicitly. All right, moving ahead here, let's go to our next one. Because a lot of the things on the screen, you already know them. They're just memory joggers, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about these uh, ITTOs. They're here just to remind you. Let's go to task nine. Task nine is our next one. Integrate project planning activities. Does it make sense when you are now taking a look at governance and structure, and you've got a skeletal project management plans through some of the OPAs you've put together, some of the stuff that has tapered into this task. We can then talk about integrating project planning activities. Now, I don't know if you caught it in the very beginning, 
But in the very beginning, I did show you two very important documents, the business case, the benefits management plan. And of course, these are used to develop our charter. So we continue in that line of early thinking, early thinking, right? And then that takes us into integrating project planning activity. So look at the things we've got here. We've got consolidate the project phase plans. Now, you may be on an agile project, not necessarily have phase plans, but if you do, that is a place to begin thinking about that, the consolidation. Assess the consolidated plans for dependencies, gaps, continued business value. Analyze the data. What are we talking about when we analyze data? This data that is beginning to come in focus and you are going to plan in an iterative fashion, in a cycle, if you will. You're going to plan using rolling wave planning, using progressive elaboration, right? Collect and analyze data to make informed project decisions. They are talking about WPI here. See that? And determine critical information requirements. We're not only talking about project communications, but we're talking about things that need to be communicated through managed communications, and one of which is work performance reports. All right, so that is the right order, the logic, the mindset to think about some of these things. Let's move on to the next one, 17. Plan and manage project phase closure or transitions. Of course, you're going to use your project management plan to do that. You're going to determine criteria to successfully close a project or phase. And of course, you need your project charter for that because you have success criteria in there. Validate readiness for transition. Of course, you're going to use your plan for that. And you're going to conclude activities lessons learned, retrospectives, and things such as that. Then we go to task eight. So the discussion about integration is pretty much in these number of slides. Did you catch that? Because in the very beginning, we talk about governance structure, we talk about integration, you know, governance structure, chapter two, integration, chapter four, managing phase closure transitions, chapter four, and then boom, you go to chapter five, plan and manage scope. Determine and prioritize requirements, whether you're in a world of agile, using a backlog, product backlog, sprint backlogs, things of that nature, or you're using WBS, and then you monitor and validate scope. And this is where we have this idea, when we're monitoring, when we're validating, we're going to get accepted deliverables from validate scope, and we're going to keep monitoring the scope baseline. Task six is next. In task six, we have plan and manage schedule. This takes you to chapter six. What do you get right at the beginning? The schedule management plan. That's what you get in chapter six at the beginning. And you build on that. So you estimate project tasks, the milestones, dependencies, world of agile story points. You utilize benchmarks and historical data. Prepare the schedule based on the methodology. And boom, we're in developed schedule, right? Where we get the project schedule. But we're also going to modify the schedule as needed. What are we going to use to do some of that? Schedule forecasts, right? And schedule data. So I'm giving you minimal information here in our course, which is known as the Project Management Masterclass. We cover a lot more of this information. And Project Management Masterclass, it happens all through the year. And that is why I encourage you, those of you who are wondering, how do I get training? How do I get coaching? This stuff sounds a little bit complicated. I need additional help. Well, go on down to the website. It's called Project Management masterclass.com when you go to projectmanagementmasterclass.com 
you will be able to sign up for our next session. And you see the curriculum there, very similar to what I'm showing you. Our Agile coach, Roy, will be joining us. And honestly, this is the very, very best of the best that you can get when you talk about training for the PMP exam from two solid, capable instructors. All right. So if this is something you want to do, go on down to projectmanagementmasterclass.com. Sign up. All right. So that was schedule management. And then that takes you into the discussion about budget and resources. So you see it's a double whammy. This is chapter nine. This is chapter seven. And that's why here you can see things like the breakdown, risk, resource breakdown structure, resource calendars, BOEs, and also stuff from costs like the cost management plan, cost estimates, and cost forecasts. So what are we doing here? Estimating budgetary needs, anticipating future budget challenges, cost forecast, right? Monitoring the variations that may occur. So I have put these things here as a memory jogger. That's your cost forecast. That is how you're going to plan cost management. This is how you've got to better understand your resources, right? This, these are your cost estimates, your BOEs, which are both for resources and for cost. And of course, a cost baseline. And uh, it's in areas like this. We talk about things such as uh, SPI, CPI, CVSV, TCPI, and, and things of that nature. So that's task five. Let's go on down to task seven. And you do know that task five, the way we roll with this stuff in the world of Agile, very different. And that's why I implore you, if you're lost in the world of Agile, you don't have enough experience, you're not sure how things are done, you need to be on that project management masterclass training. All right, let's move on. Let's go to task seven. Plan and manage the quality of products deliverables. Determine the quality standard required for project deliverables. Recommend an option for improvement. What does that sound like? Your quality management plan, quality checklist, quality metrics, quality control measurements. That's what you're really doing because it says continually survey the project deliverable quality. Where do you do that? You do that in control quality. What do you use to do it? Quality control mechanisms and the mechanisms give you the output. We use tools and techniques of quality to get quality control measurements. Okay. I really want to implore you, my dear students, those of you that are on the program with me, you know my philosophy about this. I hear students saying, Pembok Guide is dry, it's boring. I know. I, I hope I make it a little bit more interesting for you. But I know some of you are trying to boycott reading the thing and saying it's just a standard, just use it for reference. I give you my humble advice. As a professional who is PMP certified, you're doing yourself a disservice if you have not gone through that thing once. And what about this? If you have not been through it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Please do that. Now, if you were my real buddy, my real friend, I'd say you got to read this twice at least. I'm only telling you what I did to get to success and what has propelled me throughout my career. I'm not asking you to do what I haven't done. Results vary, I know. But for me, it was drinking the Kool-Aid and going through these processes over and over and over and over again until they were ingrained. That's how you get them down pat. Not by kind of skimming around the edges and saying, oh, this ITTO, I won't read this one. I won't. Don't be ridiculous. Go to the glossary. Read all of the glossary entries. Understand that stuff. Why do you want to play Russian roulette with your five, five, five dollars? 
That's a dumb thing to do. Don't do that. Don't do that, my friend. I know it's painful for some, but trust me, it's not that bad. It was bad on the first day. I remember when I tried to read the Pembok Guide, um, I picked up the third edition, which, by the way, was the wrong edition. It was a wrong edition. I should have been reading the second, but I was reading the, the current Pembok Guide. Bad stuff. I ended up having to go back and read it all over again from the second edition and twice. I had to read it twice, but it paid off, got PMP certified in 05. And honestly, if not for the esoteric language I had read in the Pembok Guide, I don't know where I've been on the exam. Now, some people say, oh, I didn't do anything like that. All I did was this and this and this. Don't listen to people. You got to work out your own way to success. Honestly, I don't want you to fail. That's why I'm telling you all of this stuff. If I've given you my advice and you do something different, at least, you know, that guy, Phil, told me I didn't do it. So I advise you, read it. I said at least once, I've kind of toned it, toned it a little bit just to give you hope that you can at least meet my objective for you. All right. And of course, the Agile Practice Guide, you got to read this stuff because you very well could still get a boatload of questions that refer to process names. And if you don't know them, you are in trouble. All right. That's quality. Let's move on really rapidly here. Task three, assess and manage risks. This is where you begin to think about all the knowledge errors combined, the combined effect of things on the project. The, the overarching ideas of what could happen. So you want to analyze risk, not only from a, a low level, but also from a high level, from a strategic level, from a project charter level, so that you understand what could affect the overall existence of the project. We call that overall project risk. You need to know those. Moving on, let's go to task 11, plan and manage procurement. This is nothing other than you asking, what are we going to buy from outside the firm? Do we need something outside the firm? And if the answer is yes, you get a procurement management plan, you come out with a procurement statement of work, you have procurement documents, you conduct procurements, you award the contract, you select the seller or sellers. So you first of all need to define the resource requirements that you need, communicate those resource requirements, manage supply contract relationships in control procurements, and uh, you want to plan and manage the strategy Things such as the boot, build, own, operate, transfer, design, build, design, bid, build. They talked about it in the PEMBOK guide at a high level. And then you want to really understand the difference between your procurement management plan and your procurement strategy. And then you develop that delivery solution, whether it's a boot, whether it's design, build, design, bid, build, whatever it is. And also you want to look at the difference between services contracts versus engineering contracts. It's here in the PEMBOK guide or delivery methods, I should say. All right, task one. Did you see the journey? The green one. See where task one ended up being in my hierarchy of things? All the way down at the bottom. So task one, you want to execute the project with urgency. Now you've done all your plans, you can now execute the project with urgency. You can assess opportunities to deliver value incrementally along the way. But remember, remember this, my friends. Remember, you've already done this overarching thing, right? You've already done this. Watch this. It says, use iterative incremental practices, right? And you've already done recommend a project methodology. So that's what you want to do first. Are we predictive? Are we agile? Are we hybrid? All right, we're agile. And then the piece about incremental and iterative, it just comes straight away because in the world of agile, you're incremental and iterative. In the world of hybrid, you're some of everything. And if you haven't taken a close look 
at, at this discussion in the Agile Practice Guide, I, I, I really want to encourage you to do that. All right, let me show you where this is. This is a very good page in the Agile Practice Guide, you see, and, and that is why I think PMI got it right on this one in the Agile Practice Guide. Uh, you know, just leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. Don't go spoiling this one, please. This is on page 19, and it shows the degree of change, and it says no life cycle can be perfect for all projects. Instead, each project finds a spot on the continuum. I love that. Every project has its own unique spot. It doesn't always have to be predictive. It doesn't always have to be completely agile. What else do we have? It says that provides an optimum balance of characteristics for its context, specifically predictive, iterative, incremental agile. And you see that little clock going around the four different points on that matrix. You know, when you're agile, when are you agile? When the frequency of delivery is high and when the degree of change is high, that is a perfect recipe to be agile, perfect recipe. So you got to understand your recipe. When should I be iterative? Well, when you've got a high degree of change, but a low frequency of delivery, when should I be incremental? When you've got a high frequency of delivery, you got a low degree of change. And these are things you need to know for your exam. You need to correlate those so that you truly understand that content outline. Because a content outline, honestly, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. And that's why we're doing what we're doing today. And that is task 13. So assessing the project needs, the complexity, the magnitude. Yes, yes, yes. Some of these things are done up front, but in rolling wave planning, you get a better understanding as you proceed, right? And then the execution strategy. Some of these things are doubled. We already talked about that in the procurement task, right? Recommending a methodology, predictive, agile, and hybrid and stuff like that. This is, is where we do that. So I, I, I want you to think for a second, right? What we do in the very beginning of the project and what we do downstream, they are related. I want you to watch this word. And this is why I put this downstream. The expectation is it's a bit repetitive, right? So assess opportunities. Assessing the opportunities to deliver value incrementally. My goodness, that was done in the very first task we looked at, task 13. See? And then examine the business value. Watch the word throughout. It's not just a one-time thing. It's throughout. And that's why I said, no, no, no. This, this isn't task one. This is the regular thing we do with the backlog. This is the regular boundary spanning we do in the world of predictive. This is the, the regular backlog refinement that we do. Because we're going to examine are we adding value? Your demos will tell you if you're on the right path. And speaking of demos, you know that demos, sprint reviews, that comes before you give your stakeholders the MVP, minimum viable product. So it says support the team to subdivide project tasks as necessary to find the MVP. So this is a potpourri of many things we have done before. Are you seeing the train come in? Is it making sense? All right. Because you got to get these tasks straight so that you study in an intentional and sensible fashion. So a lot of, of stuff that is talked about there, we have already examined. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. 
So this one right here, estimate project tasks, milestones, dependencies, and story points. World of Agile, World of Predictive and Agile, World of Predictive majorly, although we have a time box which serves as that. Two weeks, one week sprint, the good book says, and I'm talking about the Scrum Guide, not more than, you know, four weeks or less. But we know that many companies that you could have a, a sprint that is less than a week. And you look at folks delivering value like Amazon on an hourly basis through their systems. So things like this that have already been discussed, when we've discussed it once, I remove the redundancy and I say, task one, you're talking about stuff that has been done. Okay. So that's the logic. All right. Execute the project. This is why I said it, it, it's too early to put this word. Execute. You cannot make that task one. No way. No way. So um, if, if you gave me um, a chance of rewording this, I would say plan and execute. Because you're planning. What are you doing when you're assessing opportunities? Right? When you talk about subdividing project tasks, you can't call that execute. That's still in the planning aspect. You get what I'm saying? So I hope this gives you some ideas about how you should be looking at these tasks. Let's move on. Let's go to task uh, 16. Ensure knowledge transfer for project continuity. See that? So as you've planned and you're now executing, you want to make sure there's that knowledge transfer. And of course, we're talking about tacit knowledge, explicit knowledge, and things like that in chapter four. So you want to discuss project responsibilities with the team, outline expectations for the working environment, and confirm the approach for knowledge transfers. But in the world of Agile, we know this happens in a number of vehicles. It happens in the daily scrum. It happens in retrospectives. It happens organically. All right. So in the world of Agile, things work a little bit differently. Task 15, manage project issues. Recognize when a risk becomes an issue. Attack the issue, I like that word, with the optimal action to achieve project success and collaborate with relevant stakeholders on the approach to resolve the issues. So how are you going to do that? That's chapter 11 all over. And we're talking about the issue log. We're talking about uh, the risk register. We're talking about uh, the risk management plan. So there are a number of things here that are of value to us. And it's all going down in chapter 11. All right, let's move on. Um, just a sidebar comment. In the world of Agile, we manage this implicitly. We manage risk on a daily basis. We manage risk by looking at impediments and seeing if an impediment is about to become an issue. So slightly different language, and you'll find the word impediment in the people section of the outline. All right, we're almost done. Let's move on to task 10. Task 10, manage project changes. This is one of my favorite areas. And uh, depending on the uh, project vehicle you use, the delivery method you use, uh, the plans you have, uh, the flavor you use for the project uh, methodology, this could be a variety of things. 
But let's take a look at the overarching enablers. One, anticipate and embrace the need for change. Obviously, we need to follow change management practices. In the world of Agile, the way change works through the product owner and the team working with the product owner, working with the business, that's what we're talking about is a method. Determine a strategy to handle change. In the world of Agile, that's how we roll. It's a method. But in the world of predictive, we use more unwieldy stuff. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just unwieldy. So we can use the aspect of having approved change requests after we review a change request. And all of that stuff tapers back into how you plan to manage change. And of course, the change requests, we know they're going to be put into what? A change log. So all this stuff differs from agile to hybrid. And you really need to be comfortable explaining in your head, how do we manage change? on a predictive project. How does that differ in the world of an agile project? All right, let's go to task 12, manage project artifacts. So when you hear the word artifacts, you need to be thinking about configuration management because that is where artifacts are configured, right? That's where we decide, okay, this is a configurable item. This is what we're gonna do. So it says, determine the requirements, what, when, where, who, and so on for managing the project artifacts. Now, bear in mind, when we use the word artifacts in the world of Agile, we're talking about other things. We're talking about product backlog, sprint backlog. We're talking about the PSI, the MVP, things such as that. So the word artifact means different things in the world of Agile and the world of predictive. In predictive, it's more about those configurable items. It could be documentation. It could be drawings. It could be widgets. It could be some technological piece that you need to audit. I would advise you to search for my video on configuration management versus change management that will help you. Next one says validate that the project information is kept up to date version control that is configuration management. And that's why your configuration management plan will guide you towards. And then it says continually assess the effectiveness of the management of project artifacts. So things such as has a change occurred, was the change approved, what does the plan say? What does a configuration management plan say? And things like that. All right. Look out for that video. It's a difference between configuration management and change management. All right. We just got two more and then we'll be done. So task two, manage communications. This is a no-brainer. This is what the project manager does 70% of the time. It says manage communications, analyze the needs of stakeholders, determine communication methods, channels, frequency, n times n minus one divided by two, communicate project information and updates effectively and confirm information. The communication is understood and feedback is received. And don't forget, you're going to use both your communications management plan and you're going to use your stakeholder engagement assessment matrix to scene. All right. Last but not least, we have one more task, task four. And that's engaged stakeholders. And I hope you have been engaged, my friends. And I really hope that those of you who are struggling, because I know some of you are, don't go to the wrong boot camp. You want to come to our next boot camp. And this boot camp, go on down to projectmanagementmasterclass.com. Sign up for this program. It's starting February 13th. But after that, we'll always have other uh, vehicles. We'll have one in uh, February, we'll have another one sometime downstream, and we have programs all the time. But going down to projectmanagementmasterclass.com, find out more about our program, and let's see you in the class. All right, the very final one is engage stakeholders. And in engaging stakeholders, we're going to use our scene, we're going to use our stakeholder engagement plan, 
and we're going to engage. We're going to work with stakeholders to engage them on the project. That's what this is all about. All right, so engage stakeholders, analyze, level of power, level of interest. Remember the power interest grid, remember that thing? <laughs> the power interest grid. I wouldn't be surprised if you got questions about that because that grid is used universally. Power interest, right? Low level of power, monitor. Keep satisfied, manage close, keep informed. You got to remember that for your exam, my friends, just in case. And a lot more stuff, which I will not go into here, but I will go into a lot more details when you come to the classroom. And that, my friends, is the 17, the 17 processes, of 17 tasks in your Agile, what am I saying, in your PMP exam content outline. I've obviously got Agile on the brain somehow. All right, so let's go on back down to our document here. And um, again, 17 tasks. But I also want to stress the logic just a little bit before we close. This is the logic that I used for this. All right, so we've got a list of tasks from the domain. This is the task number that we followed, but this is the order of study. The order of study that I put in place and that I just showed you starts from task 11, 16, 9, 17, 7, 6, 8, 5, 3, 14, 10, 15, 1, 2, 13, 12, and 4. And that is the order of coverage. It's the order that I recommend people or close. I mean, you can make up your own way. It really depends on your understanding and making sure you're not lost. But make up your own way. Make sure that you can correlate each of those tasks to the world of Agile, to the world of Predictive. All right. So thank you very much for joining me. If you need training and coaching, don't forget, the website is Project Management masterclass.com look forward to seeing you soon you take care and all the very best on your pmp exam